everyone needs a pastor. A Visit to the Pastor study brings biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you and pastoral ministry from those with proven experience in Christian service. Our time together will be lively, sometimes controversial, always useful, and never dull. Welcome to the study of Pastor Bill Shishko. And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. It's great to have you with us for another visit to the Pastor's Study. Many years ago, early on in my Christian life, quite out of the blue, a, a Christian friend asked me a question. What's eternal life? Well, I hemmed and hawed a bit, as best as I can remember, and finally said something to the effect that eternal life is an eternity of being with God and with his glorified people, or something like that. But even though I can't remember my specific response, I will never forget what my Christian friend did and what he said, or, or actually better, what he read. He turned in his Bible. We didn't have the Bible on electronic devices way back then. He turned in his Bible to John's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 3. And he read the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as Jesus spoke to God his Father in prayer. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God. The Lord's redeemed people have an unending time of knowing the God who created them, who sustained them, who delivered them from sin and death, who keeps them from the things that would destroy them, and who eventually brings them into his immediate presence. Eternal life, according to Jesus, is knowing God. Well, it wasn't long after being struck with that grand truth that I I came across the then newly published book, Knowing God, by Dr. James I. Packer, and then an associate principal of Trinity College in Bristol, England. I still have my marked copy. I devoured it like a a hungry person feasting on a multi-course gourmet meal, and in successive chapters I learned about God unchanging, the majesty of God, God only wise, God whose word is truth, the love of God, the grace of God, God the judge, the wrath of God, the goodness and severity of God, the jealousy of God, and the adequacy of God. I was introduced to this eternal world in which God is the beginning, the center, and the never-ending end. I received a taste of, of what it is that eternal life is knowing God And since then, I have never been satisfied with brands of Christianity that make for their focus anything but God, because eternal life is knowing God. But Jesus added to his crisp summary of the meaning of eternal life, and knowing Jesus Christ, whom the Father has sent. Now, In one sense, I knew Jesus Christ as a result of God's saving operation on my heart, something we commonly call the new birth. I'd come to understand who Jesus was and what he had done to secure a right relationship with God for me by the forgiveness of my sins and by giving me a perfect righteousness, things I simply could not gain by my own self-effort. I knew that Jesus was both God and man, and I knew the core elements of the gospel. Christ Jesus died for my sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried, confirmation of his death. But he rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. He later ascended into heaven. He reigns at the right hand of God the Father, and he's coming again with glory to judge the living and the dead. I knew that good news, the gospel, which is 
really just a convenient term and a perfectly appropriate one, to declare what Jesus brings to a sin-weary world by his unique person and his work. And as time went on, I learned more about Jesus Christ. I learned that all of the 39 books of the Old Testament prophesied of and pointed us forward to Jesus Christ. What what an amazing Bible lesson it must have been when the resurrected Jesus, as he walked with disciples on the road to the village of Emmaus, beginning with Moses all the prophets interpreted to them in all the Old Testament scriptures the things concerning himself. Wow, I would have loved to have been there for that Bible study and that walk. I learned that all the anointed offices in the Old Testament, anointed prophets, anointed priests, and anointed kings, all would have their fulfillment in the Messiah, which means the great anointed one, Jesus Christ. I learned about the life of Jesus Christ through four prisms, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of John. And I learned that the New Testament presents the outworking of Jesus' present kingship, in which he will build his church, govern, preserve, and protect it, and will reign until all of his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. I learned all of these things, and I delighted them, and I still delight in them. But I long to know more of Jesus Christ himself. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and that they may know Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If only there could be a companion volume to J.I. Packer's Knowing God. Well, then, in 2015, over 40 years after the publication of Knowing God, came the book Knowing Christ by Mark Jones, courtesy of the fine publishing work of the Banner of Truth Trust. How fitting that Dr. J.I. Packer would write the foreword to the volume that, in a sense, completed his own. And that foreword alone is worth at least half the price of this whole priceless book. Here, let me treat you just the beginning of Dr. Packer's foreword. The Puritans loved the Bible, and they dug into it in depth. Also, they loved the Lord Jesus, who is, of course, the Bible's focal figure. They circled around him. They centered on him. They studied minutely all that Scripture had to say about him and constantly, conscientiously exalted him in their preaching, praises, and prayers. Mark Jones, writes Dr. Packer, also loves the Bible and its Christ and the Puritans as expositors of both. And out of this triune love, he has written a memorable unpacking of the truth about the Savior according to the classic Reformed tradition and the Puritans supremely. It is, writes Dr. Packer, a book calculated to enrich our 21st century souls and one that it is an honor to introduce. But then Dr. Packer adds this probing and insightful observation just here, however, there lies, or maybe I should say we have, or perhaps even we are, a problem. To put it pictorially, souls are small in the modern Western world, and we have less of an appetite for this kind of nourishment than our spiritual health actually requires. Our spiritual health 
requires that we know Jesus Christ. And Mark Jones has given us a magnificent help in his book, Knowing Christ. Let me ask you, do you have an appetite for that kind of nourishment for your spiritual health? I hope you do. My guest on a visit to the pastor's study today is the spiritual chef who prepared the feast contained in the 250-page volume Knowing Christ. The Reverend Dr. Mark Jones has been pastor of Faith Presbyterian Church, a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America and Vancouver, British Columbia, since 2007. He's also a research associate in the Faculty of Theology at University of the Free State, Bloemfontein, South Africa. Married to his beloved wife, Barb, and they have four much-loved children. He's written a lot more than his priceless volume, Knowing Christ. But it's that book and that subject that we focus on today. Remember, the program invites and encourages you to call in with your questions. It's your way of visiting the pastor's study by way of telephone or text. Our live call-in number, if you'd like to be part of the program, 631-955-5400. And let me ask you to call earlier rather than later. In past programs, we'll get blitzed with calls five minutes before we end. Not a good time to call. If you want to call, call a little bit earlier than that. 631-955-5400. And you can also text your questions. You can do that any time in a week at this special number, 516-367-0391. Send that to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391. But for now, Pastor Mark Jones from Canada's Vancouver in beautiful British Columbia. Hey, welcome to A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Hey, great to be with you guys. Hey, with all your titles, I'm still going to call you Pastor Mark because the highest oh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the highest calling God gives to any man is to be a pastor. Hey, Pastor Mark, tell us how you came to write Knowing Christ. Uh, well, I did my uh, PhD studies on uh, Puritan Christology, uh, specifically Thomas Goodwin, and uh, wrote a, a book that. Well, it was my dissertation that was really expensive and very few people would actually read. So I had uh, all these interesting insights that I've learned from uh, the 17th century, especially among the Puritan writers, that I thought it would be a shame if those insights missed the church. And being a pastor, that's really where I want good theology to manifest itself. So it was really just a case of saying, well, uh, I need to put this dissertation to good work and try and write something that uh, will be beneficial for the ordinary Christian uh, who desires to know Christ better. And, and, and that was really how it uh, began and finished. So did you, when you did that work, did, did you... Did you kind of start out knowing that you were going to end up with 27 chapters that range from more traditional things like Christ's incarnation, Christ's divinity, Christ's miracles, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection, to topics like, I'm fascinated with these Christ's dignity, Christ's prayers, Christ's face, and Christ's wrath. Did you, did you have that in mind? Uh, well, I started with the, the, the sort of obvious choices, you know, divinity, humanity, incarnation, uh, and and I didn't really have an elaborate plan set out. It's not my personality. I just sort of started writing and thought, well, we'll see where this leads. And I felt that God was really with me as I wrote, and 
and topics just seemed to naturally arise after each one. I thought, okay, what next? And and you know, just having read quite widely on on Christ in the various centuries, you, you kind of have an idea of the the different angles you can look at Christ from. So. I will admit to being helped by previous authors who had discussed certain topics and thought, well, I need to get all of these topics into one easy-to-digest no, book. Fast, fast. So, so how did you actually do the preparations for what would become the book? If I'm reading that properly, it was a series of messages that you gave, like Sunday evening sermons or something, right? Actually, it was a little bit of the of the opposite. I had written the book and then thought, well, let me preach. Let me preach these some of these chapters, and uh, not all of them. I, I decided to preach uh, probably about fifteen to twenty of the twenty-seven, and just see how they preached. And that was before I um, had finalized the book. So it was kind of a, a, a the cart before the horse in one sense. And I never write out my sermons ever. I, I usually go extemporaneous with a few points, so I had to kind of take the chapters and just draw a few um, sub-points from each chapter and, yeah. and preach them. So it was a, a little bit different the way I did it. Yeah, I, I wondered, because in working through the book, and I, I mean it, uh, Pastor Mark, it is a feast. I, my Mine is so heavily underlined and marked, and as with any good feast, you take your time with it. Uh, that's why I find that that the, the the metaphor that Dr. Packer uses about uh, food for our for our spiritual health. But but we've got a, a call coming. Before we get to that though, how did you collate all, all of those remarkable quotations from the Puritans? Yeah, it was a case of um, reading a lot, underlining, and uh, you know when you're. When you're doing PhD studies, a lot of what you read and and collate doesn't actually make it into the dissertation. So uh, you've seen the the iceberg uh, picture for pastors' preparation during the week and what the sermon is the the top of the iceberg that shows, and beneath is all of that stuff that we put in. Well, it's sort of like that with the book, and I thought, well, I'm going to go to the bottom of the iceberg and grab all that stuff and, and, and put it out there. So it, I didn't really want to waste that work. So that was really how it happened. So did you put quotations that you included? Did you have, say, headings on your... You can tell I'm old school, I think, in terms of notebooks. Yeah. But in your case, you probably just files, electronic files with quotations under the, the different topics. Yeah, sometimes, and sometimes it was just uh, continued research and knowing kind of where to look. So I didn't, I, I, I knew if I wanted something from Charnock or someone from, somewhere from Owen that I had an idea of where to go and find them. Yeah. So a lot of the reading continued as I was writing. Fascinating. Christ. It wasn't just simply previous work, uh, but being familiar with the works I needed to consult. My guest today on a visit to the pastor's study is Pastor Mark Jones. Uh, Mark is uh, Pastor Mark, along with being a pastor and along with many other things that he's written, has written the volume we're featuring today, Knowing Christ. Um, and we have a few copies of that available as freebies. If you want to email me at uh, visitpastorbill at gmail.com and please include your mailing address. I find that books don't go well if I try to send them out as, as emails, at least the, the written form, but uh, we'll be glad to send out a copy to you. We have a call from Arthur in Hudson. Hey, Arthur, welcome uh, to a visit to the pastor's study. 
Good afternoon, Pastor Bill. How are you? I'm, well, I hope. I'm well, thank you. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear it. So uh, let me see if I can just unpack this briefly. Wanted to get in early, so I ask for your forgiveness if you, if you delve into this, into the program. But listening to your opening remarks, okay, this is something that I've been sort of wrestling with. I, I recently um, read uh, um, uh, a commentary on uh, Song of Solomon by Watchman Nee. Yes. And it sounds as though what you're describing is a, is a, is a progressive or almost a, a hierarchical type uh, of Christianity. In other words, this is the place that we come to. There's knowing Christ, and there's knowing Christ, okay? And it's difficult uh, not to—we understand as, as, as Reformed believers, as Protestants, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Yes. But yet there seems to be—we we, we can't help but bumping up against this um, hierarchical type of Christianity, which eventually leads to Saintology or Roman Catholicism, or that, that conceptual type of faith that says that some people have it and some people just don't. And, um, and, and I, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a scary place to be. I think it's a controversial place to be. And I'd, I'd be interested to hear you unpack that a little yeah. bit. Well, I'm going to, uh, Pastor Mark, you got that question out there in, in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, well, why don't you take a crack at it? Something okay. I didn't quite put that way, but, uh, you know, for, for me, it's not so much uh, um, kind of even having written the book and studied. I, I feel like my knowledge of Christ from when I first believed was always a true knowledge of his person and, and work, however limited it was. And I tend to think of it as sort of like a flower blossoming is that it's not a different flower. It's not a different tree. It's it's just continued growth uh, and and a sort of um, awareness of who he is and what he did. But um, that's not been my experience with even my children and my wife, where I would say that I have some sort of different uh, conception or knowledge of Christ than they do. In some respects, there's maybe more profound in some areas. It's yeah. the same Christ, but. Um, there's always more of Christ to learn for all of us, yeah. and even in eternity that will be the case. So um, I tend to look at it that way. Yeah, and I, I would agree, for and, and thank you, Arthur, in, in Hudson, for the call and, and the good question. I, I know that I use the word hierarchical. I think there's a sense in which it's similar to when you get married. You, you, you love your spouse when you get married, but there's there's aspects of that, dimensions of that, and, and depths of that that come as, as you go on in your married life. Uh, in my case, I wasn't at all saying that I wasn't a saved person early on in my Christian life, but it was it was a progressive growing in 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 uh, knowing who Christ, not just what he had done, uh, but how he was revealed in the scriptures and who he was. And, and I would say even and and, and I, I must for Pastor Mark, I must credit the book and God's grace with this since reading knowing Christ and pondering those topics more and very much looking forward to doing this program, 
I, I've, I've reveled even more in the fact that Christ himself is, is what you mentioned the Song of Solomon, Arthur and Hudson, is the, is the altogether, really the, the, the Hebrew word is he's all, the altogether desirable one. So I think it's those kinds of stages rather than hierarchy uh, in, in, our, in our Christian faith. We are going to hear in just a moment from a voice, uh, the voice of a visit to the pastor's study, and then I'm going to be back with my guest, Pastor Dr. Mark Jones, author of the book I highly recommend to you, Knowing Christ, and we'll get into the book itself. But first, again, this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. That great city, New York. Metropolitan New York is the largest city in the United States. And with a population of over 20 million people, Metro New York is one of the largest cities in the world. And what's more, Metro New York is home to people from every nation of the world. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. But churches faithful to historic Reformation Christianity in the Metro New York area are few and far between. The mission fields of Metro New York are America's richest, and most neglected. Reformation Metro New York is an agency by which the Orthodox Presbyterian Church is planting and developing biblically faithful churches and church ministries in the Metro New York area. Through Reformation Metro New York, you can help promote the outreach of this program, a visit to the pastor's study, and other projects designed to further the ongoing reformation of the church. That and church planting are the great passions of Reformation Metro New York. For more information, Check out the website at ReformationMetroNY.org where you'll get a personal look at the ministries of the churches, pastors, evangelists, and teachers of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in the area, and you'll learn how you can be a part of our labors. We need your help. Here's the site again, ReformationMetroNY.org. Thanks for your interest and your help. Remember that great city, New York. To reach Metro New York is to reach the world. Now back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you. I have as my guest today Pastor Dr. Mark Jones, who has written the volume I cannot commend too highly, Knowing Christ, if you'd like to call in with your questions, 631-955-5400, 631-955-5400. And if you'd like to text a question, if that's easier for you, text it to Pastor Bill, 516-367-0391. We want you to be part of a visit to the pastor's study. Denise in Rybeck. Welcome, Denise. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> you there? Yes, yes, I'm here. <laughs> Great, Denise. Thank you for calling. What's on your mind today? Oh, hi. Um, I was just thinking about um, knowing Christ, knowing God through suffering. Ah, very interesting. Okay. Hey, thank Denise, what we're going to do, because we've only got one line available for calls, we're going to uh, turn this over to Pastor, Pastor uh, Mark Jones to deal with that, Okay. Thanks for the call. My, hey, that's a great question, knowing Christ through suffering. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably one of the most important things. You know, there's no shortage of suffering that's personal and, and worldwide in this world. And so, you know, one of the things I always say firstly to people is that we, we serve a God who is uh, able to identify with us in our suffering, whereas the Islamic uh, God, or the, or, or even the God of Judaism, or, or whatever other religious belief, simply 
cannot understand the way we understand because the incarnation did not take place except uh, through the Christian message, which is the true message. So the first point is always that in suffering we have someone who suffered who is also God uh, and fully man. And in that way, when we suffer, uh, we are like uh, our Savior uh, when we suffer in union with Him. So uh, for me, that's the, the most crucial point. And, and as we suffer, of course, um, we're drawn closer to Christ uh, because suffering tends to bring out our spiritual senses yeah. more than any other um, aspect in, in this world. So it's, it's sort of two, twofold. One is to look at it from uh, how God came down to be with us and then how we can look up to God in terms of um, our union with Christ and joining with him in his suffering. Yeah, isn't it fascinating when you think of, of when Saul, who would become Paul, had persecuted the church, Jesus speaks to him and says, Saul, why do you persecute me? That, that's how close the union yeah. is between Christ and, and his church. Pastor Mark, that, that actually brings us into Christ's humanity, your, your chapter on Christ's humanity. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think for me the greatest thing I, I sort of learned from studying Christology in the, in the Puritan tradition and also in, in, earlier on was uh, how vital Christ's humanity is to our salvation. In fact, Herman Bosing said that Christ's humanity is as important as his divinity. And to me, I understood that to be true as I studied uh, the Puritans and realized that there's so much that I didn't know about his humanity and how crucial that is for my understanding of Christ and, and what it meant for him to really um, be humiliated, to be a servant, to suffer, uh, that he really was a human being and not a superman. So yeah. the book is really, I would say, um, heavily focused on the aspects of his humanity and yeah. his ministry. Yeah, not least the chapter on Christ's emotions. I think of the famous essay by uh, Benjamin Warfield, former was a was a professor of uh, theology at Princeton Seminary back in the late 1900s, early 20th century, the emotional life of our Lord, which I think you may cite in the book, but that had also had a profound impact on me. I, I was intrigued, Pastor Mark, because when I came to it, I wonder what what is this Christ's companion? I don't want to steal your thunder, but tell but but tell us who Christ's companion is. And why that companion was and is so important? Yeah, the the work of the Holy Spirit on Christ was something I read in, in Richard Sips and, and Thomas Goodwin, and especially John Owen. And what I realized, and you know, you you read through the Bible and you see the passages, but it's only sometimes when someone crystallizes it in a way that causes you to have to examine closely the text. Um, is the work of the Holy Spirit on Christ from the womb to the tomb, and, and indeed even after that in his heavenly ministry, uh, sees quite a great uh, bit of attention in the Gospel narratives, especially in the Gospel of Luke. So uh, to me it was noticing that, you know, at every major uh, step or, or event in Christ's life, you see a reference to the, the work of the Spirit, and, and then learning what to do uh, with that, and I think the the key is to look at the Old Testament and realize that you know, the Holy Spirit's work upon the Messiah is is vindication that the Messiah Christ is from God. And uh, so, for me, 
one of the most enriching studies uh, that I learned from the Puritans was actually the work of the Spirit on Christ. Yeah, so, so a couple things, Pastor Mark, because I want to be sure that I'm understanding you properly. And and I was very much impacted by that chapter and, and the way you alluded to similar things throughout the book. But am I right in, in understanding it's not Christ's humanity wed to his deity by which he did the miraculous works, but it's hum, it's his humanity as he was anointed by the Holy Spirit, Correct. Yes, uh, you know what I try to say to people is that the the subject is always Christ, the singular person who acts according to uh, his humanity in his works of ministry, and it's important for us to understand that by relying upon the Holy Spirit sent from the Father, he was acting as a true servant, and that was he was not depending upon his own resources um, directly, but um, rather the Spirit worked upon Christ in. Uh, in a way where it shows the will of the Father in granting him ability to know things, to do things, to be upheld. And, and angels come to minister to Christ after his temptation in, in, in the desert where he fought against uh, Satan. And, we, you know, we have to understand that the angels were not... It wasn't yeah. sham, that Christ's humanity really did suffer, but Christ's humanity was also upheld by the Holy Spirit, and that becomes crucial for us as Christians because it's the exact same way for us. We depend upon God by the power of the Spirit uh, to be upheld by Him instead of relying upon our own resources, self-help, self-effort. Now, another thing, Pastor Mark, just before we have a little break here in the middle of the program, again, am I right in understanding you that you believe that there there was an even further endowment of the Spirit's power, ability, when Christ was exalted into heaven, or was I was I misreading that? No, no, you're absolutely correct, and I think when we see a psalm like Psalm 45, you know, the kingly anointing that he, he seated at the right hand of God, and, and if we look at the Old Testament um, history, that a king is freshly anointed uh, with the oil of gladness, and then you see in Acts 2.33, I believe, that when Christ received the promised Holy Spirit, and that is uh, when he was seated in the heavenly places, um, he was also, if we remember, given uh, a new body, a glorious, powerful body that was able to receive an even greater endowment of the Spirit than even when he was on earth. So uh, there are a number of reasons why I think he, he actually had a greater endowment of the Spirit in heaven than on earth. And what does that mean for his present reign? Yeah, it means that he really does um, reign on earth. You know, that's why we don't have a Pope, uh, because Christ reigns on earth by the Spirit, which is called in various places in First Peter and Romans 8, the Spirit of Christ. Uh, so the Spirit that dwells in us is Christ's Spirit, and that is his presence on earth. So to me, it's absolutely crucial that we understand that Christ is giving of himself uh, by the Spirit to us while we labor in um, in misery and sin and, and all of those other battles that we face daily. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been wont, Chris, is an American term, uh, the, I, I've been wont to call the Holy Spirit the Secretary of State to the Lord <laughs> Jesus Christ. Is that is that apt? 
Well, I'm not really caught up on American politics, <laughs> how those things work, but it does sound, uh, it does sound like it would probably right. work. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, my guest today is uh, Pastor Dr. Mark Jones, who's the author of the book Knowing Christ, a Banner of Truth publication, and we're having a delightful time just skimming the surface. I want to speak just a moment with uh, Pastor Mark about Christ's sinlessness, his temptations and his sinlessness. Uh, but just to, to let you know at this juncture in a visit to the pastor's study uh, that this program is brought to you by a group of, of churches here in the metropolitan New York area, something we call a presbytery, and those are Orthodox Presbyterian congregations in East Haddam, that's Harvest Church, and then in Hamden, that's Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church, uh, the OPC in Mount Vernon, New York, and then we have Reformation Presbyterian Church in Fresh Meadows, Queens, and here on Long Island, Orthodox Presbyterian congregations in Franklin Square, Trinity Church in Syosset, and also in Bohemia, right near the WLIE studios. And we would invite you to visit those congregations. If you don't have a home church or you don't have a church that's faithful to the Word of God, we can commend these congregations to you when we do so. And we're thankful to have this as part of our outreach and also to have the uh, the simulcast assistance of Redeemer Broadcasting Network as well. We have our archives of a visit to the pastor's study. Uh, we have dozens and dozens of programs that we hope will be useful in equipping the saints for works of service, you can get those at Visit the Pastor's Study. That's all one word, visitthepastorsstudy.org. Or if you want to go to that amazing resource for sermons and Bible studies and broadcasts, sermonaudio.com sermonaudio.com. If you're not familiar with it, get familiar with it. If you search a visit to, you'll get our program on uh, sermonaudio.com together with all of the archives. We would like it if you would like us on Facebook and follow us there. We always value your questions and your comments. Jot down my email address, visit Pastor Bill, that's all one word, visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. And if you would like a copy, we only have three to give away, but if you're among the first three to request it, we'd be glad to send you a copy, courtesy of the Banner of Truth Trust of Pastor Dr. Mark Jones's book, Knowing Christ. Just email me your name and your mailing address at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Uh, phone number, if you'd like to call with your questions, 631-955-5400. Remember, don't wait till the end of the program. <laughs> call call now if you've got your questions about knowing Christ, 631-955-5400. Or you can text me, 516-367-0391, 516-367-0391. Pastor Mark, this is something I always wrestled with in seminary. Um Christ's sinlessness, he was not able to sin, but he was tempted. Talk about those two things. Bring them together for us, if you, if you will. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably one of the trickiest Christological questions out there, and, and I, you know, I have to say that readers of the book will get a, a better sort of feel for it after a, you know, a couple chapters of understanding first is the unity of his person, um, understanding his humanity, understanding his divinity. So it's all part of a big picture is the first thing I say to people is that I, it's not a question you, you just answer without some context. Uh, having said that, uh, you know, it's, it's important to understand, of course, he was, he was tempted. Uh, but people, you know, automatically make the assumption that 
to be truly tempted has to involve the possibility of sinning. And, and that's just sort of an assumption that is nowhere um, confirmed uh, to us uh, that that is indeed the case. Um, now, I would say that for Christ, um, the temptations were real, and what made them so real was the fact that the temptations he was faced with were so utterly alien to his nature that um, for him to to give in, even for a second, was was the difference between heaven and hell for all of us, um, whereas for us, um, not much is at stake when we give in to our temptations because we are saved by the one who never gave in to his temptations. So um, that's crucial for us to understand is that he was really tempted uh, and that he couldn't have sinned because the subject of the temptations is God, and so if he did give in, God would have sinned. Which would be impossible. Uh, how I put it. Yeah, yeah the... the uh... I think it's important for everybody to realize important pastoral point. Temptation is not sin. It's giving in to the temptation. But in your mm-hmm. in knowing in knowing Christ, pages one fourteen and one fifteen, I, uh, I this reminded me of of uh, where I was helped by Dr. Robert Strimple's classes at Westminster Seminary. But you mm-hmm. wrote as the yeah. as the sinless one, Jesus felt the force of temptation more than we can imagine. Sinlessness heightens not lessens temptations. And you quote uh, mm-hmm. late Leon Morris, the man who yields, to a, who yields to a particular temptation has not felt its full power. He has yes. given in while the temptation has yet something in reserve. Only the one who does not yield to a temptation, who as regards that particular temptation is sinless, knows the full extent of that temptation. I, that that was powerful, powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastor Mark, we have a caller from Mount Vernon, New York. Joe, Joe, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Hi, good afternoon, Pastor. Very good to uh, hear your voice, and, and I love the subject matter that um, you're speaking about today on uh, knowing Christ. Would that everyone did love that subject matter, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is a great one. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of uh, the comment that I would have would be uh, from First Peter um, with regard to uh, knowing him, uh, where Peter says, uh, Whom having not seen you love, whom though you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Wonderful. And it's just such a beautiful verse. I've always loved that. Yeah. Oh, that's great, Joe. Thanks, thanks so much for the call. Appreciate it, Pastor Pastor Mark. Um, I guess you'd shock a lot of readers uh, that you have a chapter called Christ's Wrath. I mean, is that really appropriate? Uh, you know, I, I think the the simple answer would be, you know, if you've read the Book of Revelation lately and you can come away without an understanding of Christ's wrath. You've, you've probably read a different book of Revelation than the one that I've looked at. You know, that's, uh, in large part, the wrath of the Lamb upon the enemies of God. And, you know, it's not as though that has no uh, Old Testament background. It's filled with, you know, Old Testament judgments. So uh, if we're to speak of the wrath of God, um, we have to speak of the wrath of the Lamb and of Christ, because Christ 
is the mouthpiece. He is the visible image of God. He carries out God's purposes and, and aims. And, and I think, you know, we just have to come face to face with what the, the scriptures teach, especially in the book of Revelation, um, concerning Christ's wrath. Yeah. Now, of course, in, in knowing Christ, you keep your focus rightly on, on the four gospels. Fully realizing Christ didn't come into the world, his 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 first coming was not to to condemn the world but to save it. Do you see any lessons about the wrath of Christ there, or or illustrations of it in shadowy form? Yeah, I think we there's probably a whole host that are obvious and some less obvious. Whether it's the clearing of of the temple, whether it's, it's his woes against the Pharisees and Matthew. 23. Uh, and, you know, you look at other uh, aspects um, of his, his judgment, uh, even when he, he talks in, the, in Matthew's Gospel of, of blinding uh, and talking in parables, uh, there's a sort of judgment motive uh, there. So, you, you know, you, you get this idea that, that while Christ is, is meek and, and, and welcomes sinners, there's another aspect of his ministry that's terrifying and um, where judgment is unleashed upon the enemies of God. Yeah, I think we tend not to think of the fact that his giving people over to hardness of heart is a a sore judgment that comes. And of course, I think too, even of the, his, it it fascinates me, his his cleansing the temple and and coming in this with rippling muscles and and I'm sure eyes uh, that are with flames of fire, not literally, but like that, as, as he as he shows the judgment of God. But that that was a fascinating section. A Christ's faith. That's another thing people don't think of. What does that look like, and why why is it so important? Yeah, I think to say that Christ was truly human and possessed the limitations of of humanity that is just necessary to being human and not God. Uh, we have to understand that, that the scriptures teach of Christ's faith. You know, uh, this, in Hebrews 2, I'll put my trust in him, is attributed to Christ, speaking of God. Um, Thomas Goodwin called Christ the greatest believer that ever was. And what he means by that is not that Christ had to have faith for salvation as though he was a sinner, but rather that he truly believed every word that came from God's mouth and trusted in his promises and committed himself daily to God, and those were uh, upward risings of faith towards God. We believe in Christ and God, and so we go through Christ. Christ believed in God and everything that God had planned for his life, which required a great deal of faith, especially when so many people would desert him and abandon him. He had to keep trusting God that this was indeed the best way. Yeah, it's it's of course without faith it's impossible to please God, and that was as true of Jesus Christ as, as it is of us. Um, the the but but you do have people who say we're saved by Christ's faith. How do you respond to that? Well, I you know a lot depends, of course, on what people mean when they say these types of things. But I you know I don't believe. I mean, we're saved by Christ's faith in one sense that without his faith and without his obedience, his faith led to his obedience, um, and that's his active obedience, which is imputed to us for righteousness. Um, of course, we're, we're not saved, but in another sense, um, we're not saved by his faith in some abstract principle, as though, you know, just as I could say, we're not saved by his um, turning water into wine. We're, we're saved by the whole Christ and all that he did, 
and the faith was a, an essential part of his humanity. And, and our faith, of course, obviously, is, is Christ. We, we are to be believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, as, as he did. Yeah. Your, your chapter, we're, I'm dealing, and I don't want to forget to give the phone number again for phone calls, uh, 631-955-5400, or if you want to text your question, 516-367-0391. Uh, Pastor Mark, another intriguing chapter, uh, and I have to admit, I have I have not read the Old Testament in quite the same way since I read this. Christ's reading, his reading, what are you talking about there? Um, well, uh, I think it was probably a case of um, Luke 24, how would we read that, right? And that's what I tried to do, is, is how would he have read the Old Testament? Um, and uh, I think it, was, it wasn't, you know, you could write a whole book on that, but for me it was crucial to say how would... If I was Christ, how would I read that whole chapter, or how would I read that whole um, story about myself, which is really what that, that yeah. is about? Yeah, you're dealing with how he read the Old Testament, and realizing that's what he read. It. I, I, I thought just recently, once again, went through Psalm 119, and tried to think of that throughout as Christ himself. How, how can how can a young man, the Lord Jesus, the young man, cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word, and and with just the exception of a couple of verses there, uh, one about going astray, which Jesus did not, and the other like wandering like a lost sheep, which Christ did, and other than that was imputed to him, it is remarkable to read that as almost an autobiography of Christ. That that's the kind of thing you're getting at, right? Yes, yes, absolutely, and uh, you know, I <laughs> that's something I'd like to explore in the future. Because uh, there's a whole bunch of topics in in the book, such as that one, where you think, "Wow, I'm I'm just scratching the surface on this," and <laughs> yeah. uh, that's definitely one of them where I think, "Oh boy." Well, you can spend the rest reading. of your life because you're just scratching the surface in, in each one of those chapters. But yeah, some, exactly, some scratch. Which is actually good news because you know I, I've told people when we get to heaven, um, there's going to be a lot we have to learn still in heaven, and. Because we're human beings, there will be a capacity for us to learn more and more. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, no finitude, no limitations, and no sin. Um, I, I want to talk with you in just a moment about the, the responses to the book. But your chapter, Christ's Face, was intriguing, especially as you spoke about pictures of Christ. Uh, can you give us a little snippet out of that? You use yeah. use images of Christ. <laughs> if not, why not? Yeah, well, usually the people who um, say speaking against the images of Christ go to the Second Commandment, which is which is fine. But I thought, you know, I want to take this from a different approach. Uh, to, to me, the, the greatest blessing that I think we can see is uh, what's called the blessed or the beatific vision of, of Christ's face. And John Owen made the point that as a man looks upon his neighbor, so we will look upon Christ with our eyes. It's an ocular vision of the risen glorified Savior, and that vision of him will actually be transforming, just as we behold him by faith in this world, by looking to him, we're transformed, so we will be transformed by his actual appearance, and so I don't want anything to get in the way of the true Christ, and for that matter, it would be a, a painting that people may hang up, or anything like that, 
yeah, nothing can get in the way of what is the ultimate vision of Christ, and and anything like a painting would be so inferior to the actual reality that why even bother? Yeah, exactly. Imagine if if someone uh, wants to do a portrait of me, I pity the poor person, and my wife starts <laughs> describing my character, and he has to come up with a portrait. No, no way you're going to do it. And then if somehow she she uses that to express adulation for me, I, w- I would be incensed by it. But that, yeah, that was a great, a fascinating chapter. Christ's face in the book Knowing Christ. Now, Pastor Mark, we've got to wind things down a bit. I want to know what kind of responses to your book, Knowing Christ, you've received? Uh, Well, the first thing I've received is a lot of different um, folks all over the world have wanted to translate the book, whether Romanian, um, French, uh, Korean, Chinese. uh, They're all in uh, either have been published or will be published soon. So that's been very rewarding to see people caring enough to want to put in that type of work. Uh, A lot of times people who I've deeply respected their ministry um, uh, whether yourself or even when I was uh, at the Shepherds Conference with John MacArthur, and he said that he had learned quite a bit from the work. You know, that was quite humbling that, you know, someone who's spent, um, you know, decades in, in learning Christ can still say, you know, I learned something. So uh, it's not just um, people who are what we would call, you know, ordinary Christians in the pews, but it's been the fact that, you know, even seasoned pastors have been able to say things like, you know, that this has helped me to be a better preacher, or this has helped me in my love for Christ. And and for me, that's a great reward because I've been so blessed by others that to give something back to the church is, is a greater blessing. Yeah, and I'm not saying this just to, to make you feel good, so to speak, but the only other volume that has impacted me, as I know it did you, was like like yours, was John Owen's Volume One on the glory of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I remember for me yeah. that was a that was a, a watershed time for me in my ministry. Uh, mm-hmm. Pastor Mark, Doctor Doctor Packer, is he right that the people of of our modern Western world, and that includes Canada as well as the United States, as he put it, have less of an appetite? for this kind of nourishment than our spiritual health actually requires. Your experience, you right? I think that's, you know, it's a safe, in one respect, it's a safe statement to say, because, I mean, we, <laughs> we're we all spiritually weak at times and need to have a greater appetite. Um, I think what he would probably mean by that, and I would wholeheartedly agree, is, you know, do we have an appetite for more than just Facebook little um, quotes or uh, do we have an appetite for um, a, a little d- daily devotional, or can we actually get into a book that is rigorous and spend time and actually devote ourselves to a consistent, habitual study of Christ? Um, that's probably where I think he's he's hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah, and I can attest. I mean, this is not a soundbite book. You you've really it is. It's a meal. You you've got to dig into the thing and, and, and digest it. He also says. Our souls are small. That's our, yeah. our become so. How, how do you how do you understand that that description? Yeah, our souls are small. I think we just haven't exercised our souls the way we need to. You know, yeah. our souls need a vigorous workout, and um, that's how I put it. Just like uh, our hearts or our muscles, they they just haven't been pushed to the limits of what I think we need to do. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we you think it's it's we have far more concerned about the fitness center of the body than we do of the soul. And I realize you're in a rush. You've got a soccer game. You've got to go. <laughs> with your children. But, but yeah. I've got to ask you this before we break. 
Oh, no, absolutely no problem. Uh, how can readers best profit from knowing Christ? The book, Knowing um, Christ. Yeah, I think uh, I, I just want to see people meditate on a chapter and not rush it, you know? Um, that's, for me, the most important thing is uh, just don't rush. Um, take time to meditate, pray, and digest a chapter, and, and I think that would be really wonderful. Yeah, I, I think not even a full chapter necessarily. You have what, fine headings in there and, and chewing on yeah. them. Yeah, excellent. And do you mind giving us your contact information if people would want to contact you personally? Yeah, yeah. you know, they just have to go to faithvan.com. Um, faithvan.com is the church, and it has any a way you can contact uh, and, and get in touch with me. Faith faithvan.com. And yeah, it's our church website. And beautiful. And I can tell from your accent, you're a native Canadian, am I right? Well, Canadian, South African, and British. I've got oh, uh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's such a pleasure to have had uh, the Reverend Doctor, Reverend Doctor, Pastor Mark Jones, who's the author of the book Knowing Christ, a companion volume to J.I. Packer's book Knowing God. And we have three copies that the Banner of Truth Trust have graciously sent to us to pass on to you if you would like a copy of Knowing Christ by Mark Jones. And don't get it unless you're willing to take the time to feast on this excellent book. But if you'd like a copy, just email me with your mailing address, and you can email me at visitpastorbill. That's all one word, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. And we'll be glad to get a copy of Knowing Christ by Mark Jones off to you. And I do want to, again, thank the Banner of Truth Trust. You may want to check their website as well. They have taken volumes from the Puritan and the Reformed tradition and have, uh, are republishing them. In some cases, they are putting the language into a little bit more up-to-date language. Uh, but that is a tremendous resource for all things doctrinal and practical and, and historical, the Banner of Truth Trust. We'd appreciate your feedback or your questions. Again, you can email me. I'll give the email address again. Visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Visit Pastor Bill at gmail.com. Now remember, tomorrow is the Lord's Day. The day Christ rose from the dead it was a Sunday, the first day of the week, and we celebrate that every week in the year. And be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. This program is brought to you by Orthodox Presbyterian churches of that denomination, but there's so many other faithful churches there. Just be sure you're you're part of a church that is faithful to the Scriptures and makes Christ front and center in its worship and preaching. Remember that everyone needs a pastor. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, enlarge our souls and give us a greater appetite. May we hunger and thirst for that righteousness that is found perfectly and only in Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York. Our website is www.reformationmetrony.org. Again, that's www.reformationmetrony.org. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorsstudy.org. Listen in next week at 12 noon for another edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.